Dark waters lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried. Yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And
Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. Have you tried to improve your life by gathering information about Jesus Christ? Welcome to Living Water. We're pastors Ray and Jan Greenlee of the National Prayer Chapel, coming to you from our nation's capital. Education and culture do not bring us into the presence of Jesus, but forsaking all, repenting of our sin, and submitting to the will of God brings us into the presence of Jesus. We are not dealing with information and ideas. We are dealing with a person called Jesus. We must be reconciled by giving up to him our whole will and our whole being. We don't come with ideas. That's not our purpose. We don't come to give you biblical knowledge. Today in the church, we've made biblical knowledge an idol. We're not interested in being anti-intellectual. On the other hand, our purpose is to bring you into the presence of Jesus Christ. Yes, so that you can understand who he is. That's good. But you can walk with him and you can talk with him and you can be with him and he will speak to you. We want each of you to come to a place where you will renounce all sin, where you will walk clean before God. And this wonderful epistle of Romans by the Apostle Paul opens for us an understanding of how we can walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just review quickly. Romans, the first chapter and the second chapter, deal with both the Gentiles and the Jews. It talks about how all of us have been given over to sin. All of us have been given over to darkness. Now, in chapter 2, verse 4, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Well, there it is. What are we going to do with it? The Word of God is very clear to us. Repent. There's a bookmark that I was given recently. I've been carrying it in my Bible. It's done in purple and gold. It says, Personal Invitation to a Royal Celebration. And it says on top of the back of it, RSVP, to secure your reservation, contact God's Holy Word, the Bible. He has a plan for you. He will forgive your sins. You can't earn it. There's only one way into God's family, Jesus Christ. He loved you enough to die for you. Trust him. And then several passages of Scripture are listed on the back. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, 
For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Jan, we would say that all those scriptures were wonderful passages of scripture. But there's one thing missing. That's repentance. Repentance is not mentioned, is it? No. Repentance is different from confession. I can confess that I went out and smoked pot last night and say, Jesus, I'm I'm confessing this. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. But I didn't stop smoking pot. No, I'm going to go right back out and do that sin again. Because when I get in a jam and I need a lift, I'm going to go back to that sin of addiction, and I'm going to pick it up again. And repentance means turn away, cut it off. And make restitution. And to make restitution. Well, listen to the celebration begins with a prayer. I want you to listen Mm. to this prayer. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner, and I don't deserve an eternity of your love. But I believe in my heart that Jesus is your Son, and that he died as the payment for my sins. Today I would like to invite Jesus into my heart forever, and join your royal family. Well, you know what, Jan? Mm -hmm. This bookmark is an absolute insult to Jesus Christ. It brings shame on the name of Jesus, because men and women will actually say this prayer and believe they're saved. Yes. And they're not saved at all. They've just been vaccinated against salvation. Against the name of Jesus. Against the name of Jesus. Absolutely, because it hasn't told all that one has to do, and you don't have to quote the entire Bible. It's just repent of your sins. Jesus came saying, repent. John the Baptist came saying, repent. Paul came and said, repent. Peter said, Repent. That was the command. That's the command. Repent. That's the first command from Jesus, John the Baptist, Paul, and Peter. So we share this with you to say, verse 5 of chapter 2, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourselves for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Mm. Are you laying up for yourself the wrath of God when you're attending church and saying you're saved and believing you're okay, but you've never repented of your sin. If you're not repenting of your sins and turning away from them, Ray, some people think repentance is confession. It's not. It's not. So I think we need to be very clear about that so that they understand there is a difference and they will walk clean before God. But when we walk into the third chapter then, the Apostle Paul really brings home to us our condition. And chapter 3 opens with what advantage then is there being a Jew? And of course he says every advantage is for the Jew because they're the possessors of the oracles of God. And so what if some of them did not have faith? Will this nullify God's faithfulness? And Paul answers, not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar. This is brutal, but it's honest. And we need to understand 
Paul is now going to carefully construct his argument so that there is absolutely no ground for us to stand on in claiming that we have any righteousness before Almighty God. He wants us all to stand on level ground, Jews and Gentiles. Even though the Jews had the oracles of God, he now wants them to come and recognize their rebellion before God and stand on level ground. And so he begins in chapter 3, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They together have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Many of us have been raised to believe that life is a series of rewards and punishments. But in fact, it is not a series of rewards and punishments. We have thought that because we believe that information could give us advantage. We thought that if we were simply better educated, we would be more moral. Or self-improvement would give us a better edge in the market and in our life. And that's simply not true. No, it's not. Paul lays out for us the condition of man, and he says, there's no one who even seeks God. Now, the truth is, not you, not your family, we would not. No one would seek God without the moving power of the Holy Spirit drawing our hearts toward the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in us that wants to go toward light. Everything in us is of darkness except that which is of Christ Jesus. And so when we read through this, it makes me want to ask a question, and that is, why does man sin? Well, if we could explain why man sins, and we could justify it, it would not be sin. But the real issue is, is man trying to deal with God when he sins? Ray, I don't believe so. I don't think men always do that intentionally. Their their real reason for sinning is, I have a selfish desire, or I have a desire. I need something. I want something. It looks good. It feels good. It's a self-centered thing. It's selfishness. It's not about sinning against God. I don't believe that enters the mind. I think you're right. I think we don't sin because we want to get back at God. I think we sin because our hearts desire what they desire. Yes. We want what we want. We're, we're just born with this desire to go towards darkness. And so if we then decide that we want to use Jesus to achieve our own goals and our own purposes, how are we any better than the pagan who uses Buddhism or Hinduism or some other religion 
to achieve his own goal and his own purpose. We're not, Ray. We've just spray-painted Jesus on our beliefs. We need to take a break. We'll be back right after this word. You cannot live wrong and die right. We cannot continue to sin and believe we are saved. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. Listen Monday through Friday to Pilgrim's Progress at 1 p.m. at WAVA 780. The gospel is that Jesus, by his blood, will forgive your sin and set you free of all sin right now. Welcome back to Living Water. We're talking about the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, the third chapter. There's no question concerning man's natural condition. He is given over utterly and totally to darkness. And it's only by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, through the drawing of the blood, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can ever enter into the salvation that's been given freely by Jesus. Man does not sin because he wants to offend God. Man sins for the sake of some good that he desires. It's selfishness. In Psalm 36, verses 1 through 4, talks about the deceitfulness of sin. An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or to hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good, even on his bed. He plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. Now, what's so terrifying to me about this passage of Scripture, Jan, and about this third chapter of the book of Romans is that many today are in the body of Christ and calling themselves Christians, but they have no concept of their sin. They have no concept of sin because they flatter themselves because of the improvement they see in their natural man, they really don't hate their sin. They don't hate their sin because they've been able to improve themselves by discipline and hard work. They've been able to go to seminars, they've been able to go to workshops, they've been sitting listening to preaching, and so they've heard, oh, you're supposed to always glorify God. Okay, I'll glorify God. Well, you're supposed to do this with your diet. Okay, I'll do it with my diet. Here's my strategy for success. Here's my plan for succeeding in this area of my life. You can take the flesh and dress it up in all kinds of beautiful clothes. Ray, this is called self-improvement at its greatest, and it's like white-knuckling it the whole way through. The tragedy is that this white-knuckling, as you've called it, is really a life lived by principle. And so I have principles that govern every part of my life, and that turns into legalism. And, of course, the flesh loves to live under the law. It's the discipline, and the flesh loves discipline, too, because then I feel very ordered, and I feel fine, and I know I'm doing all the things I should be doing in a very orderly manner. But then you have to face the question, is this really about my self-improvement, or is this about Jesus? It's about Jesus, Ray. And we have to deal with a personal Jesus. We have to come to terms with this real Jesus Christ. And our time together, I pray, will bring you into his presence and cause you to flee away from these things of the flesh. 
even those things that look good in the flesh. And to really get at this issue, we need to go to the Old Testament. In the third chapter of the book of Genesis, we find there, there's a serpent, a very crafty serpent, and he's in a tree. And he's speaking to this woman called Eve that God has created to be the helpmate of Adam. Let me pick up the story. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I want to stop for just a moment because the devil always comes to us with a literary device called irony. Irony means nothing is the way it looks. It's always an outsider looking in. There are no absolutes. You can't trust what God says. You're playing a role. So here's the devil. He's playing the role of a serpent who is innocent. And he's saying, can you really not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God tell you there's a boundary? Are you sure he told you there was a boundary? And so the woman says to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. But then the serpent said, You will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And you see, he came with the approach, Wouldn't you like to know about good and evil? Of course. She would like to understand about good and evil. And would you like to step in and become a god yourself? Yes, you could have the wisdom to understand what is good and what isn't good. Here's the struggle. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is very beautiful. It is very attractive. Basically, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says that I have the right in my own self to determine what is right and wrong. Yes, I'm God. I'm God. I don't yes. have to listen to the Lord God of heaven. I can make those judgments for myself. And so Paul in the book of Romans in this third chapter is saying, you've all made the decision to be God. You've all made the decision that you will determine what is right and wrong. And in the process, you've become utterly corrupt. You've become cast down. All you can do is bite one another. All you can do is spread your poison from one situation to another. And you've created a wicked heart against the Lord God, and that will deny you of being in the presence of Jesus. Yes, the only way we can be in the presence of Jesus is to renounce all of our sin, to repent of it, to confess it, and then to submit to his will. And to become clean before God. To get clean before God. Let's look in this story with Eve, Genesis 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, there's nothing in this account that would indicate that she ate that fruit with an intent of sinning against God. No, Ray, she ate the fruit because it was good for food. In other words, it would nourish her. And it was pleasant to look at. It was beautiful. And it was desirable because the serpent said you can gain wisdom. Who doesn't want wisdom? I surely would want wisdom. And so Eve took this fruit, thinking that it was a benefit to her. 
She didn't do it to be in rebellion against God. She did it because she thought this was what was best for her and And, for her husband. And it would bring her closer to God. She thought it would bring her more on a level with God where she could understand who God was. And it would unfold wonderful truths to her. It would give her more information about God. Well, see, this is the struggle we're having. When we come to this third chapter of the book of Romans, we're confronted with a reality that it's not information that we need. It's a Savior that we need. And it's not what Eve is saying, that I can have these wonderful things that seem so pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, wonderful to the taste. That's not the way we judge what we're going to take into our heart. We have to decide what we're going to take into our heart by looking at Jesus and understanding what he wants us to take into our heart. If we take into our heart the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we'll have all the information, but it will just bring the wrath of God upon us. And when the wrath of God comes upon us, we're uncovered and ashamed. We try to make fig leaves to cover, and our fig leaves today is the self-improvement ray. Yes, this self-improvement wickedness that we see on every hand, the principles that we try to live by instead of living under the anointing power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Anything to make us look good or to feel better covers up our wickedness. Well, there are some great lies. Let's just identify quickly. One of the great lies today is that you just have to do your best. And if you do your best, everything will work out simply not true. Another great lie is that God helps those who help themselves. That's not true either. Another great lie is that I'm saved by having a personal relationship with Jesus. No, I'm not saved by having a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm saved by doing the will of God through the power of the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. Another great lie is unconditional love, that God's going to love me no matter what I do. Ray, in this story, God had a boundary. They broke covenant. He departed from them, and he banished them from the Garden of Eden. That's unfailing love. That's not unconditional love. There are so many lies that we could identify today, but let's go now for the last few minutes of our broadcast to what happened as they were now having to face a holy God. When Adam and Eve heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden at the cool of the day, they hid themselves among the trees. I wonder what their heart must have felt like. Well, not only had they departed from God's presence, God was coming to be with them, and they were fleeing from him. They were hiding in the bushes from him. They didn't want to see God. They were running from him. Something so dramatic had happened in their hearts that now they were filled with shame. And that thing that happened is they decided to take control of their own lives. They decided that they would determine their own destiny. They would not allow Jesus to direct their path. They decided they wanted to do what they desired. That was the selfishness of their heart. It was exposed before the very God of the universe. So if you want to look back now at this wonderful passage in Romans, the third chapter, let's read together Romans, the third chapter, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The purpose of the law here, Ray, is to make me conscious of my sin. And we want you today to be conscious of your sin. We want you to understand today that that inclination to run from God 
is because there's shame in your life. It's not a psychological problem. It's a real problem. You want to hide. You don't want to be seen. But God does see you, and today the Holy Spirit is calling you to repent. He's asking you if you're willing to change your mind about your sin. He's asking if you're willing to change your preference and turn away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and turn to that old rugged cross where our Savior bled and died for you. Will you today, right now, confess and forsake your sin and rebellion toward Jesus? Will you make restitution? If you have stolen money, pay it back. If you've slandered anyone, forsake your sin and go quickly and make it right. If you've caused trouble or anguish to another, repent and restore your friendship. Are you robbing God? Repent. Don't wait for different feelings before you submit to God. Will you, with your heart and mind, do what is right? Obey and submit, and your feelings will come along. Will you submit now? Will you give up all rebellion now? Will you commit your whole being to Jesus right now? Will you turn from serving yourself and serve only Jesus? Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Today, we call you to renounce all sin, all unbelief, all excuse-making, all hardness of heart, and every wicked thing in your heart and life, here, now, and forever. You see, if we come to Jesus Christ with this simple little sinner's prayer, let's share that again. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I don't deserve an eternity of your love, but I believe in my heart that Jesus is your Son and that he died as payment for my sins. Today I would like to invite Jesus into my heart forever and join your royal family. This prayer is an insult to the Almighty God. He doesn't want to hear us speak these kinds of words full of sentiment without any repentance. And that's why we're saying to you today, we call you to renounce all sin and all excuse-making and all unbelief. We call you to get serious with Jesus Christ. And so you can get into his presence. We call you to repent and to believe. Yes. And to submit. We call you to understand that your position before the Almighty God is based on what Jesus Christ did at the cross, plus nothing. It's all by faith. But it all begins by recognizing our condition before God and not being so filled with deceitful flattery that we can't determine and understand our real condition before God. It's time for us to get in the prayer closet before Almighty God and ask Him to show us our sin and to deal with that sin honestly. You've been going on for many years as a Christian, but what real victory have you? Well, you have some self-improvement, but do you have victory over sin? Do you have victory over that lust, over that pornography? Do you have victory over that anger and that bitterness? 
Do you have victory and are you joyous in Jesus Christ? Because you're one with him. Almighty God, we plead your blood over each listener right now. Yes, Lord God. We ask that you would convict them of their sin. Yes, Lord. We ask that you would uncover it. Jesus, would you expose the hiddenness in each person's heart? Would you show, Lord, where they're uncovered and ashamed? Lord God, just turn the x-ray machine on and examine each heart today, Lord God, and let them know where they need to be cleaned up because your blood will cover when they confess and repent and turn. Teach us how to repent of our sin. Yes. You would not oh, command God. us to repent if yes. we could not repent. Give this gift of repentance, O oh Lord God. We seek your face with yes. all of our hearts. We need you, Jesus. Lord, if you don't step into these words, they're going to just fall to mm. the ground. They're going to make oh, people angry. Mighty God. Oh, Lord, would you come and would you quicken these words? Mm. Have your way, Jesus. Lord, would you cause us to yes. just step back and not be seen? Lord, we don't want to be seen. Mm, rule today. Lord, Lord we Jesus. haven't come with powerful words. Lord, all we've come mm. with is the presence of your Holy Spirit. Yes. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Deal with each heart now faithfully. Yes, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.